0: Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications.
1: This
2: is Late Night Council.
1: This is big, this is very big. There's definitely something here.
3: Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news.
2: It's a real thing, a radio signal from another world.
1: Counsel. That's
2: my grandpa. Well, your story is very compelling.
4: Your chance to make history.
2: That's pretty cool, I guess.
4: Give it to me straight.
0: John, you're in charge. Welcome, 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 welcome to another edition of Late Night Council. It's ask the pastor as it always is on Sunday night, whatever's on your mind. You know, I have got a ton of stuff to talk about, but if you want to, if you want to break in right away and yak about something that's burning in your bosom, three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. Now I could go for a full two hours kids, but I prefer to talk to you. So if you want to interact, this is live. Of course you can't do this if you're listening on the podcast, but I can see from my stats in front of my screen here, there's a lot of you tuned in right now and, uh, Let's have at her. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That is in the Capital Region. Ottawa, Gatineau, Chelsea, Aylmer, and of course the boroughs. Kanata, Gloucester, Nepean, Osgood, Centertown. 343-700-4390. That's 343 343- 74390 if you're calling outside of the capital region that is the canadian capital region if you're calling from i don't know moonbeam ontario if you're calling from grubs arkansas duckwater nevada or putty hill maryland 1-844-562-4766 is your number that's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. 562 4766 Now, these numbers will be repeated be repeated ad nauseum throughout the program. Um, even during our information breaks, you know, I'll give you a little bit of update about what's going on. And now you can be more part of the show, okay? And I got some tunes for you tonight and some riveting, really, really important information that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Because, I mean, if you heard it anywhere else, would be the point of me being on the air. No, no, you got to rely on me to, you know, to get the really important stuff out there, okay? And I'll be bringing that to you. But, I'm you know, I may have missed something. So that's where I count on you, the audience, to, you know, you got to call in. 343-700-4390. Comments and questions on what has really turned into the Ask the Pastor format of Late Night Council on Sunday nights. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. one 562 4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. We are accumulating a number of good emailers. And we're thankful for you. Callers take precedence. Calls will always take precedence on this program. But we appreciate your emails. JC at LateNightCouncil.com if you want to email. It's got to be under six lines, okay? JC at LateNightCouncil.com. You can tweet at me at JWCouncil. Very simple on the Twitter exchange. JWCouncil. That's... Where we are on Twitter. Now, I rarely, hardly ever go to the Late Night Council Facebook page. But there is a Late Night Council Facebook page. If you want to interact with other listeners and post stuff and argue and, you know, yak off air, you're free to do that. 343-700-4390. Now, if you're listening outside the Capital Region, we had a bit of a kerfuffle uh, this week concerning our annual March for Life demonstration that takes place. Um, just before Mother's Day, just about every year. And uh, there's always thousands and thousands. I don't know what the actual number was this year, but they've had upwards of 25,000 people in other years protesting the fact that, uh, uh, you know, there's only three countries in the world. There's only three countries in the world that have totally unlimited access to abortion with no restrictions whatsoever. Communist China, North Korea, And Canada. We're the only country in the free world that has no restrictions on abortions and has no abortion laws whatsoever. And uh, the reasons why, well, uh, we could talk about that tonight, couldn't we? So, you know, we've got a lot of concerned people who, you know, uh, understand science and understand uh, biology and genetics and realize that, you know, that uh, little uh, baby inside a mother's womb is a distinct individual with distinct DNA. And uh, for years since abortion was made legal with no laws, in fact, when it was passed by the Supreme Court in 1968, the Supreme Court intended for Parliament to, you know, formulate some types of laws, some types of restrictions, some types, but they never did. Because, I don't know, you tell me why you think they never did. My personal belief is because they're a bunch of wimps and they're not leaders and uh, they worship at the altar of political expedience. And that's irrespective of what party they're from. Conservative, NDP, we've never had an NDP governed federally in this this country. But between the Conservatives and the Liberals, no difference at all. They've done nothing on this for almost 50 years now. So what happened in uh, Ottawa this week is somebody uh, actually was a retired RCMP officer in his late 80s. Successfully lobbied Ottawa City Hall, get this, successfully, Ottawa lo- lobbied Ottawa City Hall to fly the pro life flag up the official city flagpole. Okay? I don't think that's ever happened before. And, you know, those of you that live in Ottawa, you know that, you know, you could probably call Ottawa the politically correct capital of the world and you wouldn't be too far off, okay? So this was the report out of the Ottawa Sun on Friday, the day after it happened. I'll just give you the first paragraph. Ottawa City Hall pulled down a flag marking the annual anti-abortion rally on Parliament Hill after councillors and members of the public expressed shock that the municipal government in Canada's capital would allow it. Now, why would they be shocked? I thought City Hall was all about tolerance. I thought they were open-minded. I thought that City Hall speaks for and represents all of their citizens, no matter what background or no matter what opinion or political stand you know their constituents are. They're supposed to be the people's representatives. Now I think that's that's what they want you to believe, but I think that's a I think that's a A really stinky lie. I don't think they're tolerant at all. In fact, and you could state your opinion, I'm stating it on the air, and that's why I give the phone numbers out, because I want to hear what you have to think. I think City Hall is overflowing in bigotry, prejudiced. In fact, I would push it even further. I think there's downright hatred there, and it's institutionalized. And it's covered up also politically correct with all sorts of verbiage that everybody has accepted as true. And yet, when you think about it, it's not true at all. It's disgustingly hypocritical. I mean, they promote the word diversity until, and I, look at, I'm all for diversity. I think it's right. You know, I, I think diversity is a very, very important thing. But if you're going to be diverse, if you're going to be tolerant, doesn't that mean you're tolerant of people that don't share your view? If you're going to be diverse, doesn't that mean you include people that don't think like you do? Well, that's not the way it is at City Hall. They're all about diversity only if you are a group that they like. And if you're not a group that they like, you will be marginalized, censored, persecuted, charged. And if you're to believe some of these so-called politically correct thought police on social media they would have the groups that they hate executed because they've said so on twitter often often more often than not so when i read david Creighton's rebuttal in the sunday sun today i thought wow this actually got printed in mainstream media. I can't believe it. I'm quite impressed. Man, I doubt I doubt if they'd ever print his column, you know, in in you know the biggest selling newspaper in Canada, that you know the paragon of of political correct fascism, the Toronto Star. I don't think they'd give him the time of day on CBC or the Globe and Mail. But God bless the Ottawa Sun. For, t- for, print- for printing David Craven's, uh, Craven's uh, 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 piece, and it's entitled Removing Pro-Life Flag, Craven and Ignoble. Good on you, David. Now, this is so good. When I come across somebody that's actually telling the truth and exposing hypocrisy and bigotry and hatred for what it is, Because the people on the so-called tolerant and diverse left, you know, they go around parading as if they love everybody. You know what? Their hatred blows me away. Because I happen to be a part of one of those groups that they don't like. They're all about diversity. They're all about tolerance. They're all about, you know, everybody getting their say. Unless you belong to a group that they don't like, and if they don't like you... Oh man, they are going to they are gonna pound you and there's very little people that will there's very few people that will come to your aid. I'll give you a little bit of David's article here. The outrageous response by one particularly city representative illustrates a profound contempt for free speech and any opinion that are not their own. He's talking about Catherine McKinney, one of our city councilors. The, the one was, I guess she was the one whose veins were popping out of her neck the most over this. I mean, I get a look at her in the picture in the sun today, and I can't help but think of Don Knotts playing, you know, uh, 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 yeah, on uh, on uh, the Andy Griffith show. Barney Fife. You remember when he'd have his temper tantrums? Oh, Andy, need would go. That looks just like Catherine McKinney here. Well, well the only difference is she's got big glasses. David Creighton goes on. She blathered on about how wonderful it is that Canada continues to embrace the cowardly position of offering no protection at all to the unborn, and instead maintains a policy of unrestricted abortion on demand that exceeds anything available anywhere else in the Western world. Catherine McKinney thinks this is a good thing. Creighton goes on. Let's get real, but I don't much care if you consider yourself a self-appointed apostle of abortion rights or not. The flag that hindered you so much from coming to work and doing your job was only going to be in place for one day, and it represented the opinions of many of your constituents, maybe even some who voted for you. So get a grip and respect a little free speech. Public figures like Catherine McKinney they're allowed to spew their, you know, repressive bigotry because Catherine McKinney and so many others are never exposed for the bigots that they are. And again, I would suggest it goes further than bigotry. I think it's, I think it's outright hatred when they say some of the things that they do. Creighton talks about our mayor here in Ottawa, Jim Watson who can light up a room, you know, who can go in and just he can work a room better than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Always a likable guy. Listen to David Creighton. Mayor Watson, meanwhile, garnered the largest degree of opprobrium uh, in in this matter. I don't think it's acceptable to have that flag flying because it's stating a position that most of our city is opposed to. I'm certainly opposed to it, he said. Creighton responds. Okay, Mayor. We know all about your pro-choice bona fides, but just how do you know that most of our city is opposed to the position that the flag represents? Is that majority in favor of no abortion law at all? Is that majority opposed to pro-lifers being allowed to march once a year? Does that majority support you and your council denying your opponents freedom of speech? Admit it, you don't have a clue. And he does it. He's spewing some politically correct, you know, pablum. Because he knows nobody's going to hold him to account. He knows nobody's going to pin him down and say, hey, just a second. For you to be against that kind of speech, don't you ever use the word diversity again. Don't you ever use the word again, tolerance again, Mr. Mayor. Because your diversity and your tolerance are only for people that you agree with. These hateful bigots have got no interest whatsoever in hearing everybody's voices. They've got their few little groups here and all oh, we're going to promote them and we're just going to make everybody think that we love everybody. Oh yeah? Disagree with them. You'll see how much they love you. Creighton continues. So the flag was taken down and nobody from the city even bothered to inform Francis Barrett, that's the 88-year-old guy that made it happen, the retired police officer about it. Obviously, he doesn't must he doesn't matter to the mayor. Nor does anybody else who doesn't hold Watson's extreme views on abortion. Yes, I said extreme. Because the current non law is not acceptable to majority of Canadians, even if it is to you. So rare I hear anybody that you know that from you know mainstream media write so well. And when they do well, I like to trumpet their work. I really do. You got an opinion on this? You ever face this kind of stuff? I mean, you know what really blows me away? The people that have the most hatred, particular for people who believe the Bible's the word of God, who believe that abortion is the killing of an innocent child, and a number of other issues, okay? The hatred, and it is downright hatred that these people get away with in the name of tolerance. It's unbelievable. So when somebody exposes it, boy, I want you to know about it. Have I made my case plain enough? Well, then why don't you come in and, you know, make your case? 343 700 4390 in the capital region. That's 343 700 4390. 1 844 562 is the long distance line. That's 1 844 562 You can email me at jc at late jc at late You can tweet at me. At JW Council, I got tunes for you tonight. Got all kinds of cool stuff going on. In fact, I think we'll play a tune right now. You want to hear a tune? How about a? How about a? You know, maybe I should lower the tune down here because I want to introduce a better tune to you. How many? Of you, have you ever heard of the Proclaimers? The Proclaimers. In the Ottawa region here, you might re- remember about, oh, it be about five years ago now. They did a free concert in the Byward Market. They're from Scotland. And I love the Proclaimers because they, they sing with really thick accents. You notice that, you know, all the British bands, like back in the 60s and 70s, like the Beatles, the Who, the Rolling Stones, the Kinks, uh, you know, the, all these British bands. They never sang with British accents. You couldn't tell they were from Britain. They all wanted to sound like blues artists, I guess. Well, the Proclaimers, they're from Scotland, and you could tell. They, have, they sing with thick Scottish accents. They're the guys. I think their biggest hit was uh, I Would Walk 500 Miles. You know, and I, that's not the title, but, you know, that uh, 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 I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Those were their two biggest hits. Well, these guys are very devout. They're very devout Christians. They don't make a big thing about it. But this is, a, this is a really great tune by them. And it talks about one of them singing about, you know, it sounds like he's singing about a girl, but if you dig a little bit deeper, he's singing about the first time he encountered Christ. Not a bad tune. I hope you enjoy it. This is The Proclaimers, and Then I Met You.
4: going to be so happy, living life alone and never sharing anything, thought that I was finished, thought that I was complete, thought that I was whole instead of being half of something, thought that I was growing, growing older, wiser, understanding why this world held nothing for my spirit, thought that I was destined, destined to be nothing, destined to Thought that he would never get the chance for me to prison. Thought the book was written. Thought the game had ended. Thought the song was sung and I could never sing another. Thought the faith was misplaced. Thought the back was broken. Broken by a weight that I was never fit to carry. I thought I knew the setting. Thought I knew all about it. instead of being at half of something and i was going
0: little uh, footnote uh, to the opening and uh, the kerfuffle here in uh, the capital region of uh, the March for Life, the pro-life flag being flown on the city's official flagpole and of course it being torn down. Oh, we can't have that. Um, One of the members of of our church was one of the speakers on Parliament Hill on Thursday. And this was a girl that She's had, well, she's a, you know, grown woman now and uh, late 40s and she had had two abortions and she was quite angry because when she had the abortions, the only information she got when she was in trouble and, you know, was that, well, you know, we'll pay for it and it's quick and it's easy and there's no issues and, and like she said this morning in her presentation that you know, they didn't tell me that decades later I'd be overwhelmed and consumed with grief, especially when she found out, you know, scientifically that that's a real baby. That's a, that's the, you know, they they can conveniently call it something that doesn't sound, you know, too attractive. They call it a fetus, you know. It's amazing, you know, like uh, couples that, you know, try to get pregnant and, you know, as soon as they find out, That they've been successful. They don't call it a fetus. So, how's your fetus? No, no, no. They usually use terms like, is the baby kicking yet? When are you going to find out if it's a boy or a girl? And then once they find it's a boy or a girl, they they don't call it a mass of tissue. (laughs) That'd be so stupid. I mean, come on. A lot of couples have the baby named long before it's born. When they find out what the sex is, what the gender is, and they start talking to the baby in the womb. Isn't that unbelievable that people think that they can determine whether, you know, it's a human life by whether they want it or not? Uh, Totally, totally in, 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 you know, in opposition to what, you know, science shows us, that from the moment of conception, it's a unique individual. And she didn't have any peace in her life, and she didn't, you know, she, she, Thankfully, you know, she discovered Christ in her life. And she spoke this morning that she never knew forgiveness. She never knew spiritual wholeness. She had emptiness in her life. And specifically because of her abortions until Christ came in and filled that void in her life. And that's not a. That's not taking somebody's freedom away. That's somebody who was lied to and told, you know, it's your body. You should be free. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, really? Then, you know, they they don't talk about a conscience. They don't talk about, you know, the spiritual and and emotional implications of what women go through. That's the dirty little secret that uh, Morgan Tyler and his cohorts and the rest of the, you know, the baby killers in in Western culture, you know, and and they'll even guilt people into thinking, oh, you shouldn't think that way trying to nullify and trying to quench, you know, the very spiritual and, you know, uh, logical side of us that can't be quenched. 343-700-4390. Whatever's on your mind tonight, 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. Don't let that 343 area code scare you. That is a new Capital Region area code. one 562 4766 is the long distance line. That's one five six two four seven six six you can email me jc at council.com. and i do have emails in the hamper ready to go tonight but you know i got a few things i want to talk about first and of course you're, you can you can derail it and take it in another direction anytime you want one eight four four five six two four seven six six and you can tweet at me at jw council donald trump is in the news every day i mean like I could do full shows on Donald trump but If I want to stick to the Ask the Pastor format, and I do, I don't bring up Donald Trump unless he's touching on spiritual issues, you know? And I'm always trying to take the biblical perspective on things, and I mean, if you want me to take the biblical perspective on abortion, my goodness, I mean, the Bible's filled with all sorts of, you know, references, everything from, you know, if a pregnant woman gets injured and that she gives birth and the baby dies, you're supposed to take life for life. And the scripture's about, you know, like how you know God knew me when I was formed in the inmost parts of my mother's womb. That's in Psalm 139 and 13. And then Proverbs 31 and 8. I rarely hear this one brought up in relation to abortion, but I think it should be brought up often. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. I, I really believe in human rights. I do. And there's nothing inhuman about a baby in his mother's womb, or her mother's womb. And I think we should refer to the them as him or her. They are individuals. We've had, in fact, it was reported when, uh, you know, Melinda, my friend, was sharing this morning, that we've had at least 400 infanticides in Canada, just in the last 10 years. What's an infanticide? It's a late-term abortion, where they pull the baby out and the baby's still alive, And they have to kill the baby outside of the mother's womb or they let it, you know, die on the table. I know that's gross. It's horrible. But that's going on in Canada. Why? Because we have no abortion laws whatsoever. No restriction whatsoever. So infanticide and and, and March for Life and campaign life, they've demanded, you know, homicidal investigations into all of these cases. They've got them all documented as well. But nobody will lift a finger. God's not fooled. God is not fooled. It is no surprise to me that we see Islamic fundamentalism taking over Western Europe. And, you know, I can't see, you know, our our, our lazy culture in the West here in North America. I can't see it standing up because, I mean, it's a biblical precedent. And I talked a little bit about this last week. And this is the biblical perspective. When people who proclaim God, and, you know, especially the United States, you know, that, that there's all sorts of verbiage in their uh, Declaration of Independence and their Constitution about one nation under God. And we see that, you know, the, the people put their hand on a Bible when they swear in the Bible, on their money, and God we trust. If you're going to make that kind of proclamation, he holds you to a standard. And in the Old Testament, it was Israel. And when Israel did not follow him, he would bring in a more wicked nation to judge them. And I think that's going to happen. I think we're seeing that in Europe right now. We are so hypocritical, we go around thinking, oh, you know, the ISIS and some of the extreme Islamic fundamentalists, they just, they're just barbaric. Excuse me? Have you seen some of the footage of what we do to our babies in a mother's womb? For the sake of, uh, of expedience, for the sake of convenience? We've killed millions in this, in this continent. Millions! You think God's fooled? I don't think he's fooled at all. I do want to talk about Donald Trump when we get back from the information break, though, okay? He did his first public uh, 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 gig after firing his FBI chief, which, you know, the mainstream media was just going nuts over this week. And I don't want to address that because, you know, I I really get bored with the whole political thing. But he did say some, some significant things about God this week at Liberty University when he gave the commencement speech. It was all over the media. Of course, people were attacking him and everything. But some people, some people, why, said, hey, just a second here. What he's saying, we need to rethink about this. And I'm not a Trump fan, but when he says something good, I like to talk about it. And when he says something dumb, I roll my eyes like the rest of you do. But we'll get to that when we return from this very important information break. Stay with us. So I'm reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America, 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 562-4766 1-844-562-4766 562 4766 4, 4, 562 4, Our call service is automated so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now don't sweat that, just follow the on air prompts and uh, you'll be fine, trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at TuneInRadio.com or Google Play or just click the Listen Live button at LateNightCouncil.com but you know, chances are you've already done that, just kind of a reminder council does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time email me at jc at late night and the rates are so cheap because you know we're just relaunching and getting things going again you are going to absolutely love the rates and of course your feedback is always welcome tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and thanks for tuning in we're back live in just a few seconds so hang in there How's it going? Welcome back. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. If you want to get a call in, 343-700-4390. 562 4766 is long distance. That's one 562 4766 Mentioned Donald Trump before uh, we went to the break. And uh, he gave the commencement address. That's like, you know, like... When the kids graduate from university and, you know, they're all excited and some big public figure gives the commencement address and everybody throws their hat in the air. I think for my daughter's graduation at Carleton, John Manley gave the address. And then for my son's graduation, Mark Garneau-led gave the graduation address. And uh, so Donald Trump was at Liberty University. And uh, Liberty University, I I should give you some background. That is, uh, it is an evangelical Christian university. And uh, the report in the Ottawa Sun today said he urged the more than 18,000 graduates. I had no idea Liberty University was that big. It's huge. I remember when it started back in the late 70s. He urged the more than eighteen thousand graduates to fight for what they believe in, to challenge entrenched interests and failed power structures. He's always ticking people off, isn't he? And and you know, I kind of like him. He just says things and does things that make me go, "Oh, you gotta be kidding me!" But what has—and I've said this before—what gives, what gives me a soft spot in my heart for this guy? Is I am taking note of the people he's ticking off, and the people that he's ticking off. And I've been in media for thirty five years. Okay, I've been researching and you know broadcasting and keeping abreast of you know who's who and what's what, and the people that he's ticking off are some of the biggest hypocritical phonies in public life who lie and deceive and promote some type of you know like uh, uh, tolerance and inclusion and it's got nothing to do with that it's got certain groups they like and they and you know they spew hatred for groups they don't like and i've noticed that he really ticks off hypocritical people and i think you know what, he must be doing something right and here he is at liberty university now you got i could tell you more stuff about liberty university that's probably not too good cuz I know Liberty University. I know what kind of people that they graduate, okay? But the good far outweighs the bad. These are good kids that go to Liberty University. I mean the 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 Ontario Bar Association. You know they want their uh, uh, graduates. You know that uh, uh, practice law in in uh, this province. They they're much more comfortable with their uh, lawyers. You know sleeping around and carousing and getting uh, uh, bombed out of their mind on alcohol and drugs. Uh, you know they'd much rather have that than you know young people who have you know, uh, made a commitment to live a biblical lifestyle, as evidenced by, uh, you know, the Ontario Bar Association does not want any graduates from Trinity Western University's legal law, their law school out in B.C. They won't take any of its graduates. And they have spewing that that is nothing short of bigoted hatred against people who want to live by biblical principles. And they've hardly been exposed in Canadian media. So, you know, when I hear Trump say to the kids at Liberty University, challenge entrenched interest and failed power structures, I would say, suggest that, that, you know, entrenched interests is the uh, uh, institutionalized bigotry against Bible-believing Christians we see in so many uh, levels of society in Canada. That's entrenched interest. Challenge them. And failed power structures. Yeah, I think they failed. I think, I think our, our, our culture is a moral mess right now. Got more marriage breakdown than ever before. We kill more babies than than we we allow to be born here in this country. So I would have to I would have to agree with him. One line that caught a lot of people's attention though from Trump's speech I really like. In America, we don't worship government; we worship God. I'll give you a little bit of here. When, and this is, I'm quoting Trump from his commencement speech last Thursday. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they prayed. This is the president of the United States saying this, folks. Now, I don't know whether this guy's a Christian or not. He says that he is. God's his judge. In the past, he's lived anything but what I would call a Christian lifestyle. But I've never heard a, a president say more encouraging words and more protective words to people of of my particular faith. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, again, this is the president of the United States, when the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they prayed. When the founders wrote the Declaration of Independence, they invoked our creator four times. Because in America, we don't worship government. We worship God. Trump added that for the same reason, elected officials in the U.S. put their hands on the Bible and say, so help me God, while taking the oath of office. It is why our currency proudly declares, in God, we trust. And it's why we proudly proclaim that we are one nation under God every time we pledge allegiance. The story of America, he continued, is a story of an adventure that began with deep faith, big dreams, and humble beginnings. Trump is meeting with the Pope in 10 days. Guess he's going over to Italy. Going to get in Trump one and fly over the pond. Speculation has swirled. Again, I'm quoting media reports on his upcoming visit to the Pope, with Pope. Speculation has swirled about what Trump and Pope Francis will discuss during their May 24th audience. Given Francis has already said anyone who wants to build walls to keep out migrants is not Christian. He's got a point, you know. I mean, if you know what's inscripted on the Statue of Liberty of the States, you know, us, uh, uh, send us your tired and, and 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 huddled masses yearning to be free. That's not Bible, but that's pretty Christ-like. It's all through the Gospels. I was naked, he didn't clothe me. I was hungry, he didn't feed me. I was a stranger, he didn't take me in. So he's got a point there. But... You know, I would throw back at the Pope, and I, you know, I think this is, I think it's appropriate. If you don't think it is, give me a call. Let me hear your side of it. What about defending innocent people from people who want to kill us? Is that Christian? I mean, crime, violent crime, rapes, sexual assaults in Germany and Sweden, in France, have skyrocketed. Since so-called, as the Pope calls them, migrants have come to, well, I would suggest invaded Europe. And I remember three years ago talking on talk radio when we got the first, you know, video footage of these people coming in. And all kinds of us were asking, hey, hold it just a second. These are supposed to be refugees? These are supposed to be migrants? How come 80% of them are able-bodied males between the ages of 18 and 30? I mean, I remember the Vietnamese boat people, you know, escaping, you know, barely on boats. And we took all kinds of them from Canada. There were full families. There's all kinds of women and children and the elderly. This is, I don't believe for a second this is a migration. I don't believe for a second it's a refugee thing. Stockholm, Sweden has had more sexual assaults in the last year than in the previous 10 years combined. 98% Ninety-eight percent of them. Now you can't find this on mainstream media because mainstream media is covering up these facts like crazy. I, you know, again, because I don't know. I guess you know they want to protect their groups that they like. In fact, there have been there have been uh, uh, reporters that have been fired because they actually you know gave the description of uh, of, of uh, suspects in in sexual assaults as of Middle Eastern descent. They've been fired just for reporting like that. It's amazing. Now, if Trump is going to, you know, uh, uh, carry on the way he has, he'll probably just kind of roll over and say everything You know, that's really, really nice because the guy's got great people skills. I can't see him, you know, ticking off Francis. I think he's going to charm Pope Francis like you wouldn't believe. I think Pope Francis is going to think that this guy's the greatest guy in the world. Pope Francis said he won't try to convince the U.S. President Donald Trump to soften his policies on immigration and the environment when they meet this month. Yeah, well, I don't think he could anyway. But wants instead to find common ground and work for peace. And I think Trump will just charm the daylights out of them. They're going to get along great. 343-700-4390 is the number to call the capital region. 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 one 562 4766 That's 1-844-562-4766. JC at Late Night Council is the email address. You Got to keep it under six lines, though. Okay, we're going to get to the emails, but I want to get to the stuff I want to yak about first. And, of course, you can hijack the show and call in and put it in another direction anytime you want. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. one 562 4766 That's one 562 4766. JC at latenightcouncil.com's email address, and you can tweet at me at JW Council. Now, gonna play a tune for you. It's not really a break here. It's part of the next story that's coming up. Okay? Nobody has heard I haven't I did I had no idea that this was true until I was reaching, researching for the show this week. And I was quite blown away by it. Okay? And I think it would be so appropriate if I played the hit tune by Sheryl Crow that bears this dead celebrity's name. I don't know if you know it or not, but Steve McQueen, who died of cancer at the age of 50, it's recently gotten out that Steve McQueen made a very, very, very real and powerful commitment to Jesus Christ and gave his life to Christ before he died. Did you know that? Did you hear that anywhere? Well, I'm going to play Cheryl Crow, and, you know, don't get nervous if you know the tune, because, you know, there's a line or two in here that I'm, you may hear the sound go down, because I don't want, you know, to offend anybody. But I, I've always loved this tune. In fact, I would say of all of Cheryl Crow's tune, I think her politics are whacked. I think she's just kind of a misguided girl, you know, who probably never saw what, you know, a, a real follower of Christ looked like, because it looks like, because you got to admit, Um, There are people who call themselves Christians who do a lot of stupid things and a lot of dumb things and a lot of hurtful, judgmental things. But followers of Christ who understand what a biblical Christian is, somebody that acts and thinks so much like Jesus, the people, you know, they remind people of Jesus. I don't know, you know, if we had more followers of Christ like that, we probably wouldn't have so many people getting so ticked off with, you know, people that are part of the Christian faith. But I, I have to. Uh, my favorite tune she ever did, Cheryl Crow, was was this one, Steve McQueen. And 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 it wasn't. I was not looking for an excuse to play it. I just absolutely love this tune. And uh, you're going to hear the story about it, and what happened with Steve McQueen just oh months before he died. Don't leave now. It's getting important. Well, I.
1: Will- Got a quarter in my This is free but I like
0: of cool. Every woman when he was alive was in love with the guy. Flashing blue eyes. The star of The Great Escape. The star of Bullet with one of the most iconic chase scenes ever filmed up until that time in Hollywood. I mean, the guy had a swaggering reputation. In the kind of Paul Newman... James Dean League. I wonder if Sheryl Crow would have written that tune that epitomizes how cool Steve McQueen is. I wonder if Sheryl Crow would have written that tune if she'd have found out what we have just recently learned. There's a new documentary coming out in September about Steve McQueen. Okay, Let me give you the report here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, 343 4390 or whatever else is on your mind, 343 4390 Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, was co-authored with Marshall Terrell, the acclaimed expert on all things Steve McQueen, and Greg Laurie. Together, Laurie and Terrell traveled the country interviewing many of those who knew McQueen best and were with him in his last days. This venture is also down in production as a documentary film about McQueen. Again, scheduled for a September release. Now, what does the article say about it here? McQueen's rough life initially led him to search for purpose in Hollywood. He had the best and fastest cars money could buy, multiple women, including two divorces, and eventually found himself in his own battle with drug and alcohol abuse a fact well-known throughout the media. What many do not know, however, is that before his death in 1980, at the age of 50, Steve McQueen came to faith in Jesus Christ. In a significant turn toward the end of his life, ironically, just before he found out that he had cancer, and while still on, still the top movie star on earth, he put faith in God and became a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, this has happened in a number of Hollywood you know, uh, uh, stars' lives, but it's, you know, they keep it quiet in Hollywood because once they find out that you're a follower of Christ, because you know, followers of Christ, you know, they espouse certain beliefs and they don't carry on in certain activities. You get blackballed pretty quick. But pretty cool, huh? Now, I predict this documentary is going to go nowhere. It'll probably be relegated to Netflix, and Netflix will carry it for maybe two or three weeks, and you may get to see it. I certainly want to see it. But a documentary about a high-level Hollywood star that turns to Jesus Christ, I mean, oh, they can't do that because, you know, it's good for business to promote the, you know, the, the wanton pursuit of sex and thrills and pleasure and money and everything that money can buy you. You know, even suggesting that that might be an empty lifestyle that doesn't promise, you know, doesn't deliver what it promises on, oh, no, we can't have that. Imagine if a bunch of Hollywood stars—oh, let's say maybe fifty to hundred—all started turning to Christ, man. What would they make movies about anymore? You know, no more lascivious, no more lasciviousness, no more sin. I mean, I'm sure they'd find enough people that are willing to sell their soul and do all kinds of things to promote, you know, the stuff that Hollywood promotes. That you know, it wouldn't put too much of a dent in it. But you know, sex sells, pleasure sells, greed sells. Well, it sounds like one of them made it out of there alive eternally. Sounds like one of them finished well. Looking forward to that flick. But I had no idea, you know? I've been pretty tuned into media all my life, and I had no idea that Steve McQueen had made a commitment to Christ before he died. Evil Knievel, the stunt motorcycle uh, 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 driver. I've seen video footage of him. He made a commitment to Christ about a year before he died. He got baptized publicly on Robert uh, Schuler's Hour of Power on stage. I saw him give his testimony about how he invited Christ into his life. Mickey Mantle, star outfielder for the New York Yankees, who had a reputation for carousing and boozing and drinking as much as any, you know, rock star ever had. In fact, one of his famous quotes was, if I knew I was going to die this young, I would have taken better care of myself. About three or four weeks before he died, Cleet Boyer, who was a teammate... Got into his, you know, and, and you know they've been friends and teammates, got into the hospital and, and, and led Mickey Mantle to Christ, told the story about it. It's kind of a close story for me because Cleet Boyer's uh, brother, Cloyd, Cloyd Boyer, was uh, uh, the manager of the St. Catharines Blue Jays in the, in the mid-'80s when I was their chaplain. And when you hear uh, Cleve Boyer tell the story, and and I've read the article that he wrote about the whole experience, it's so powerful that I've I've quoted it and repeated it at funerals that I do. It's amazing stuff. Mainstream media never reports on that stuff. You know, because it's almost like they're at war with anybody that promotes any type of biblical morality, and when one of their stars or one of their high-profile celebrities makes a commitment to Christ, it kind of like, you know exposes the whole facade of, of, of what is valuable in life for, for the phoniness that it is. Because almost every one of them testifies, you know, I had money, I had women, I had you know, all the pleasures that life could afford. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a waste of time. And I've often had questions on the air about uh, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, because Ecclesiastes is, is, is really a weird book in the, in the Old Testament. It says a lot of weird things and a lot of people have wondered why is you know why is uh, uh, it even in there cuz it's so dark and i'm glad it's in there because uh the book of Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, and it's written from the perspective of a guy who has lost his faith. He's lost out with God. He's given himself so much—he's uh, you know, wise, wiser than anybody in the world—but he, 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 you know, spent all himself on pleasures. And the Bible says that he has as many uh, pagan wives led him away to the point where he's even offering sacrifices up to pagan gods before he dies. And the book of Ecclesiastes is the record of a guy who had everything. And he's telling people, you know, the only way to live is to to fill your life with God and to follow his ways. And this guy's so burnt out from the pleasures of life. In fact, there's no evidence, there's no evidence whatsoever in the Bible that Solomon maybe even made it to heaven. There's none. Let me read a little bit to you. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17. So I hated life. He a the guy, richest man, wisest man, most powerful man in the world at the time. This is Bill Gates and Donald Trump rolled into one here. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. So my heart began to despair over my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then must leave all they own to another who is not tiled for it. This too is meaningless. A great misfortune. Now, listen to this. He says, a person could do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see from the hand of God. For without him, who could eat or find enjoyment? Look at that. Without God, who can find enjoyment? This is coming from somebody who's like his life is burnt out from pleasure. To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Pretty dismal. Talks about all his pleasures and all the things that he experienced. Meaningless. In fact, that's probably the buzzword of the entire book of Ecclesiastes. Meaningless means, let me put it in our vernacular, jack squat life is nothing outside of god three four three seven hundred forty three ninety you want to get a call in? that's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety one eight four four five six two four seven six six if you're calling long distance you're going to hear these numbers again in just a second because we're going to do the information break and then come back and i don't know how long i'm going to be on the air tonight okay Got a few emails here, but uh, um, you know, my show, my network, I can I can end at any time. You know, if there's calls coming in, I'm going to stay on. But if there isn't calls, I you know I put out what I think is important, and I'd rather put out an hour or an hour and a half of great radio and great takes than you know fill up the time with just filler. I don't believe in filler. So we may end early tonight. I don't know, but I know we're going to be back after this info, uh, info break. So you stay where we are, and uh, we'll be right back at you. Stay with us. So I'm reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343 74390 4390 That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 562 4766. 6, 1 4, 4, 562 4, 6, 6. Our call service is automated, so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now, don't sweat that. Just follow the on air prompts and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at tuneinradio.com or Google Play or just click the listen live button at latenightcouncil.com. But, you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. council does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time email me at jc at late night and the rates are so cheap because you know we're just relaunching and getting things going again you are going to absolutely love the rates and of course your feedback is always welcome tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and thanks for tuning in we're back live in just a few seconds so hang in there 4390 is the capital region number. That's 343-700-4390. 562 4766 is the long distance line. That's one 844 562 You can tweet at me at JWCouncil, and you can email me at JC at and That's what Eric has done. Eric's turning into one of my better emailers here. He's always got good stuff here. So here's his email tonight. Sometimes he sends me more than one, but there's one in the hamper here. John, there's lots of talk now about the rapture. Is there? I don't hear any talk about it at all. But anyway, such as it will be pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. He's using theological terms there, folks. I don't know if I want to explain them or not, but I continue on with his letter. But the question I have is, why wouldn't the people who are left behind not start to believe in Jesus? Surely seeing all these Christians disappear would have them realize that there's a God and what is written in the Bible is true. Well, um, I got to go to the Bible because, you know, you ask me a question like that, Eric, and the most authoritative answer is going to come from scriptures. And in specific answer to your question, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 deals with it specifically. Let me read to you what it says. It says, and then the lawless one. This is 2 Thessalonians 2, starting to read it, verse 9. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Now, the context is this kind of... And if I'm interpreting it wrongly, I could be. But, I mean, I've always interpreted this scripture. And, you know, people that uh, of like faith... Uh, Most people believe this is talking about some type of world leader, okay? He's called the Antichrist in other, you know, parts of the New Testament. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. In other words, there's going to be a great lie perpetrated with this whole um, sanctioning of this world leader. And in all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Because if I'm interpreting, interpreting this right, the saved are taken out of the world when this lawless one is revealed. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. So along with this, you know, this taking away of the bride of Christ, the church, the people that christ knows belongs to him the ones that truly have faith in him not perfect but you know they realize that their only hope is christ and 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 they have faith in him and he's the one that judges who goes up and who stays behind for those that stay behind if i'm interpreting this right and if anybody's got a different interpretation please call in i'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this okay but it seems as though people that are left behind i mean there are facts to back up what happened and there, it says there's signs and counterfeit miracles and wonders that this, this leader does and, and, the, and the spiritual deception that takes place is so great that everybody believes it. So that's how he's going to pull it off. I mean it makes sense. Well, wouldn't they see what's happening? Because you no, no, there's gonna be also there's gonna be evidence. It's gonna be false evidence, but it's gonna be so convincing that in fact there's other sections of the Bible that says that the evidence is gonna be so real that it, even the elect, it would deceive even the elect if that were possible. So there's your answer, Eric, on that one. Second Thessalonians two, nine to twelve. Pretty specific on that question, too. And then he goes on in some of his email here. God states the sins of the Father will be passed on to the future generations. Science is now catching up to God's warning regarding this. Studies are now providing evidence that trauma from abuse, war, etc. are passed down to the children and even to their grandchildren through sperm. I never researched that one yet there, Eric. It's part of your email, I guess. I'd have to see evidence of that. I don't know. It never ceases to amaze me how science keeps proving... What's been written in the Bible is correct. Well, you, I can't intelligently comment on that because uh, I, that's a bit of a stretch there, you know. And I have problems believing, you know, that, that uh, uh, when somebody comes to Christ, I think God's Christ's blood cancels every, everything that the devil has done in families or whatever. And I think curses are broken when somebody gives their life to Christ. And whether there's curses that go down, you know, there's a lot of debate on that topic within, you know, uh, 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 Christian circles. And I've heard both sides of it. And, and uh, my own personal belief is that when you come to Christ, the word says, behold, all things are new. We're a new creature in Christ. And I know the Old Testament says that, you know, his, uh, his, uh, the sins are visited down on the, on the third and the fourth generation. But it also says his love is visited on a thousand generations. And those scriptures were written before the blood of Christ paid for our sin once and for all, for all sin. The power of sin canceled because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And God the Father giving sanction and determining and and making it known that, yes, his blood has paid the price for sin. And the greatest sign that that blood did pay for our sins was God raising Christ from the dead to new life. Because even even you know the, the, the curse of sin that causes death cancelled by the power of Christ's blood. Pretty cool stuff. But good questions, Eric. He does have a comment too on the whole uh, pro-life flag coming down. So Eric must be writing from the Ottawa area here. Do Christians have any say in these matters? Perhaps if we voted as a block, we would. There's still a lot of Christians in this country. If we or could organize ourselves, we would. We would the okay. Would the power greatly influence governments? As I know, the Muslims will surely do in coming years. Oh, they organize. They do very very well. Well, Eric, I mean, there's you know, there's usually anywhere from eight to twenty five thousand people every year protesting against you know our our lack of any abortion laws in this country. And uh, I don't know, it's not, it, it's not about political influence. I mean, we have the political leaders we have because they're a reflection of where the priorities of our culture are. Oh, yeah, but politicians lie and they deceive. And hey, listen, the people that vote for them are willing participants. They like being deceived. They like being told everything's going to be okay and you don't have to worry about the debt, that you know, your great-great-great-great-grandchildren still won't even be able to pay off. They elect people who say what they want to hear, and it's the quote I think it's from Sir Edmund Morris: "All evil needs to do uh, evil needs to succeed is for good people to do nothing." And and I think it was William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania, that said, "You know, you're going to pay attention to who's ruling you, or you're going to be ruled by tyrants." And tyrants don't wield big swords and put their arms up with you know these zig heil salutes. Sometimes tyrants have nice, pleasant smiles. And their speech, you know, is as smooth as butter. And they wear three-piece suits. And they're all so delightful and charming to talk talk to. And yet they're imposing their will on people who really don't care, you know? And they enable these tyrants. I've said for years, what's more dangerous than a deceptive lying immoral politician what's worse than that people who vote for them so I'm not that hard on politicians as I am on the people the people that have the real authority and power in democracies are the voters but they don't care but that's a political comment and this is asked the pastor I'd much prefer to talk about things that are you know important. Because unless there's a spiritual revolution, unless people, you know, unless people get back to, you know, what, what made our, our countries, the United States of Canada, powerful and great, which was a commitment to to, to, to to God and to biblical morality. And it resulted in a powerful work ethic of people keeping their commitments and having strong families and people obeying the law you know because there was there was there was there was honor there was respect that was ingrained in the culture okay and it was the after effects of generations of people who really believed the bible is the word of god and they loved their neighbor and they trusted people and people pulled together because they learned that from the bible And we're still living in the afterglow of that, but we're getting further and further away as the years go by and the generations pass of people who have the respect for, because democracy, if it doesn't have the foundation, and the founding fathers, particularly in both of our countries, stated this in some very eloquent writings. If you don't have a, a, a common understanding of the rule of God and the authority of God, democracy falls apart, and it's starting to fall apart in our culture now. The foundations of it are crumbling. Why should I believe this leader? Why should I follow this leader? You know, my opinion is more important than anybody. And human rights sound really good, but human rights is basically the advancement of my interests over everybody. And you can't have human—you rights for everybody because as soon as you have rights for everybody, it impinges on somebody else's rights. When you abandon moral, moral absolutes, then your morality is based on, you know, whatever the mob decides. And the mob changes its mind often. Another email from Doug here. John, is it possible for a pro life person to support pro choice? Well, before I continue with the email, let me comment on that. If pro choice was really pro choice, I, I would have less of a problem with it. But we don't have pro choice in Canada. Pro choice means we will fund the abortion, we will take care of it for you, and that's the only option, really. If you want to keep the baby or if you want more information, you know, on, on uh, how you can be a, a mom, you know, good luck. You're not going to get any government support. The only organizations that encourage people to keep babies and come alongside them and help them through the whole pregnancy and give them support financially everything, are funded, most of them, by Christian groups in North America. So the only stand that our governments take is the pro-abortion side. What is choice about that? My friend Melinda, who spoke on Parliament Hill this last Thursday, she didn't know that there was any choices available to her. She went to her doctor and said, here's the abortions available. It's easy and anything. We could do it in the afternoon and everything's fine. She was not given any options. There was no choice there. That was the only choice that was available to her. The thought of keeping her baby, the thought of trying to get help and support, forget it. So if it was really if there was really a choice involved there, I'd be, I'd have less problem with it, but it's not. Doug continues in his email. Pregnancy issues should be between God, the family, and the doctor. Many may not want Trudeau or the government interfering with the family's medical affairs, but the sad truth is that many people have evolved into celebrating death as personally liberating. That's exactly what they do. At least to the abortion issue. Instead of humanely respecting life and doing everything possible to preserve life, how many aborted fetuses are given a funeral? Well, first of all, I don't like calling them fetuses. How many little baby boys and girls are given a funeral? Or given any respect other than a garbage can? How can you describe that as anything other than evil? You can't. It is evil. It's blatantly evil. And I think it's one of the most, it, it, it's the, one of the darkest, darkest marks. On us as a culture. Maybe the darkest. God's not fooled. And and I've been saying for for decades now, judgment is going to come on the slaughter of in- innocents. 343 700 is the number in Ottawa, in the capital region. 343 700 one is the long-distance line. That's one 844 JC at com is the email address. And uh, we might end it early tonight. If I don't get calls or we don't get a lot of emails or tweets coming through in the next oh, 10 or 15 minutes, we may end it early because I'd much rather do a hot, wonderful, fantastic hour-and-a-half show than give you filler. We'll see what happens. In the meantime... You ever heard of Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee? Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Here they are singing about, well, I think they're singing about heaven. You tell me.
5: I'm on a lake town, my soul and sheep, down by the riverside. side, yeah. down by the riverside. side, down by the riverside. side. I'm on a lake town, my soul and sheep. by the long white gold down by the river side of the Study the water more. Study the water more. Don't study water. i <laughs> Study the moon, the study
0: the the just Mike on the line? Yes, Mike. Now, Mike, I was going to end the show early, and you're making me earn my pay tonight, buddy. You, you, you forced me into staying longer. I was just ready to play, the, play a closing tune and let her go tonight. But here you are, dude, taking over my show, what? hijacking it, extending what? <laughs> it. What's on your mind? I hope it's good.
2: Well, I'm the, I, just, I tuned in late, so I only caught the tail end of what you were talking. You were answering Doug's email about, uh, can you be pro-life and pro-choice? I don't see how. And the reason I say that is because if you believe it's wrong, if you're a Christian and you believe the commandments tell us we cannot take innocent life,
0: mm-hmm.
2: how do you kill that baby? How is that even a choice that God allows us to make? Well,
0: okay, I'm a Christian and I agree, okay? But I cannot, yeah. I do not, I am not comfortable with forcing my morality on anybody, okay? I want. It's not pe- a question of. Let, let it's me not finish. a question let, of
2: forcing. Let, well, yeah, no. actually, no, wait a minute. Actually, that's not right either because we do. Can I get together with my girlfriend and decide, I think it's best if I kill her?
0: Mike, let Am me finish. I, is that
2: between me, her, and God?
0: Mike, no. Mike, let me the finish. The debate's coming in. Let me finish. The point yep. I was making, okay, yep. is that we have no abortion laws whatsoever in this country, okay? And well, when that's they, true. And, and when they say pro-choice to a girl who's in trouble, who doesn't know where to go, that girl doesn't yep. have a choice at all. If she wants government funding and she's convinced by her school and by her institutions that the only choice for her is is abortion, because there's no government-funded agencies that are going to come alongside her and bring her through the trauma of giving birth for the first time, teaching her and showing her the value of that little boy or that little girl, there's nothing on the other choice side. So it's not choice at all. And what I said earlier was, if it was a real choice... If choices were really offered and if it was a level playing ground, I'm convinced that we would see hundreds of thousands of young women in Canada when given yeah. a real choice. They would not have the abortion. And they would, you know, if there was, if there was as much government choice, government support for the choice of keeping the baby and, and, and them coming alongside them and, you know, and, and getting them through the pregnancy, I think you'd see a dramatic decrease in abortions in Canada.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I see. This is the thing, and this is why learning the history of not only Margaret Sanger but the progressive movement is so important. And and what eugenics is, and that that ideology. Margaret Sanger. I have to. I have them.
0: to. I, I have to remind people: Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. Okay. And and this lady. There was, was uh,
2: <laughs> somebody had put. Like, there's been lots of articles on her over the years, especially more recent, where people are finding. Um, the thing she said. I actually finally watched I I know you've probably seen maybe you've even seen the whole interview with Mike Wallace i had always seen clips of it but I finally watched the full interview with her and she's really something to behold she is quite um, resolute in her not only in her atheism but in her decision that it is the best thing in the world to kill these babies and to kill as many of them as possible she believes that there's too many people on the planet as there is and she believes we are weakening the race, so on and so forth. And and you know they, it, there are there are detailed like they even were specific in targeting, for example, minorities and blacks. Yeah, yeah. And they and that's why most of the abortion clinics are in those neighborhoods. And they very cynically they they knew this would come across as well. They might figure out we're trying to exterminate them. So they actually went out and found black ministers who would help. Sell it for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to, to assuage them. That's why you see uh, the Acorn and these various Planned Parenthood videos. They're black people that are convincing them to do that.
0: And
1: then,
2: uh, that's just like ma- you had Jews rounding up Jews in w- Germany.
0: What you're saying is a matter of public record, too. That's not coming from yep. conspiracy theorists. It's readily available nope. from credible sources. You know, just do a little digging on the net, and you're going to find it.
2: Yeah, and, and you'll see her talking. Her, she, I mean, these people think they're brilliant. They like giving speeches. They want people to congratulate how smart they are at saving the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their idea of saving the planet. So, and, and so that mentality has never gone away. So when you say that in Canada we have no laws, it's not just because we have incompetent politicians. It's designed this way. They want less people. And this looks a lot cleaner than rounding people up on train cars.
0: People I hear you, treat Mike. This,
2: We call this health care.
0: Yep, yep. Thanks, buddy. And, and Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm saying thank you. You were going to say something, and I interrupted it's. I just think it's been so sterilized that this is
2: treated as health care. And then we talk about, you know, women's rights. Again, it's not that somebody doesn't have a choice. It's that we're saying you can't just kill people. You have to draw the line in the sand and say you just can't kill people. You can't start deciding, well, okay, you can kill these people. Because once you start saying you can kill these people, well, then you can also say, let's kill those people, too. Mm -hmm. Like, it becomes arbitrary. So you can't really go there if you believe in the right to life. Now, one of the things that's interesting, and I didn't agree with it in recent years as I got more serious with my faith, but now I've heard the actual expertise arguments. There's been a series of doctors who used to be abortion doctors, and they're now out there dispelling some of these myths, the idea that, you know, in a medical emergency. And when the guy actually explains that that's not physically possible, so people have bought this lie that there's a situation where you have to kill the baby to save the mother's life. But he said to understand, he went through the process of what it takes to induce the abortion. He says if it's truly a life and death situation, you're actually putting her more at risk because it's more time-consuming to do the abortion first.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're
2: better to just do the treatment and hope, like heck, the baby survives.
1: Yeah, and, and if I'm, the baby
2: I'm, doesn't survive, then it's in God's hands. You didn't have to. The idea that you kill it first rather than even try—it's just—it makes no sense.
0: Well, it's horrible disrespect for life, is what it is.
2: Well, yes, and that's why we treat. That's why we use words like abortion. That's why we use words like fetus and. We, we we colorful, we, we change the language, we make it all sound nice and and gentle and, and clean and sterile. But? When the truth is, it's killing a human person. You're yep. killing a person.
0: It's dismembering. It's, it's some of the most grossest procedures you could even imagine. It makes yeah, you know, and, and like, we and we pompously you know think that those oh those uh, you know Al Qaeda and ISIS and uh, the rest of these uh, Islamist uh, barbarians are so barbaric with the way they torture and kill people. Excuse me, have you seen what goes on in abortion? Innocent lives, yeah, and they you know
2: yeah, and they they actually um, well they get kind of well, the videos are graphic the the, the the dismemberment process and and all of it, but then the fact that they were even going so far as to harvest parts. Yep, that, it's just mind blowing, and, and the wanton, and
0: and the wanton killing of babies that didn't survive abortions, and they're outside of the womb, and they're killed after they after they exit the the, the mother's womb. That goes on all the time.
2: Yeah, and actually, I think there was a story in uh, um, I think it's in England. It's just making the rounds in the last few months. There was a child born; was in the hospital, had a terrible condition that was not treatable or approved in in Britain or or inside of Britain or Scotland, it's 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 over there, and they wanted that the family started a GoFundMe page. They wanted to take the kid to the United States to at least try treatment, which was available there. Didn't mean there was guarantees, but they wanted to do it. The state took them to court and won. They were not allowed to take the child. The child was forced to die. That's the state, Mm -hmm. and the state... I, I I wish I had the article handy. I wasn't knowing I was going to call on this, but uh if you look it up i'm I'm sure I could even find it and share it with you but um it it yeah they they pretty much took away the right to to make that choice the parents they said they did it in the interest of the kid. the state had to intervene to protect the kid from the yeah. parents by letting the kid die. That's the state. That's the progressive thing. And, and like I said, when you get into reading these people, they read like psychotic
0: psychos. Yeah, I know. I know. They all think like that. And they need to be exposed for what they are. And, and there's hardly anybody out there that it's, that's exposing them. You know? That's why yeah, I, I, quoted, I quoted David Creighton. David Creighton uh, did an editorial piece in the Ottawa Sun today. You know? Exposing the bigotry and the hatred that's in our Ottawa City Hall. By virtue of the fact that they demanded the pro-life flag come down on Thursday, okay? And he, yeah. I mean, and and I, I tweeted at Jim Watson this week. I said, don't ever use that word diversity or tolerance again, because you have no tolerance for anybody that doesn't, it isn't part of one of your select groups, Okay. Your tolerance and diversity is is for a certain select group of people, and other people, forget it, man. In fact, if you, for instance, if you espouse a a biblical morality, you are going to get persecuted, you are going to get marginalized, you are going to get censored. And if I'm to believe a lot of the tweets that are coming from the left-hand side of the hatred and the bigotry that's that's, that's, uh, aimed at uh, Bible-believing Christians, I'm sure that many of them would love to have us executed as well.
2: Well, they definitely want us out of the way. There's no two ways yep. about it. And that's why they they target our faith but always institute they have no problem. It's it's not about they want no faith. They want hear, their faith. When I, I hear about human, when I
0: hear about so-called human rights and tolerance and inclusion and diversity, I want to puke because it's coming from sure, right? them. Mo- it's coming from some of the most hateful bigots I have ever seen in my life.
2: Well, I mean, even the Nazis had happy posters and made happy movies about the Jews and their new life that they were going to have at this new camp they were building yeah, for yeah, them yeah. and they even made actual propaganda films where they were they brought in actual Jews gave them nice clothes real food of course they weren't allowed to eat a, a bit of it and then as soon as they were done making the films they went back to their clothes went back to the camps and were all executed yeah. That's that's how they that's what they do that's how they treat people they if you have de- dehumanized people to the point where you can exterminate them like bugs even though you can't kill a bug or a tree or a weed in this city but you can kill a person no problem they promote that we pay for it we encourage it and the and the state has made it impossible for anybody else to try to intervene to help that woman give birth to the child to provide those options. It's all geared to get rid of people. And, and like I said, when you start pushing these people a little bit, maybe they're careful about how they say things. It's very rehearsed. They've got their little catchphrases they say, but when you keep pressing at them a little bit further, you'll find out that they all believe there's too many people on the planet and we need to remove the population yeah, by a large amount, by a billion.
0: Government funded, and, uh, and now Trudeau, you know, wants to pay for abortions uh, outside of this country as well. You know, to poor innocent people who are given no other options in third world countries, they, he, wants to, he wants to spread the killing to third world countries. I mean, Harper, then, was, the, Harper was the guy that ended that funding. And uh, Trudeau was very, very quick to reinstate it when he got back into power.
2: Why do you think they pulled out DDT?
0: Yeah. Where well, who
2: do you think is hurt most by that? Nations like places like Africa, mm-hmm. South America. Where people there are used dying. to be malaria as far north as Montreal, it'll be back.
0: Yeah, we'll yeah. have it again. Yeah and again, a, malaria, gets, malaria is the number one killer. AIDS and malaria are the number one and number two killers in, uh, in the continent of Africa now.
2: Now, what happens if you take away, these people all believe in survival of the fittest. Well, if these diseases and things come back, who's the ones to die? Mm-hmm. It's the weak, right? Yeah. It's culling the herd. Except it's doing it in a way that's plausibly denial. Oh, well, we didn't, of course we care about people. But, I mean, you know, uh, the communist system cared about the worker. They're the ones who were starved to death.
0: Hosea, Hosea four and six says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And you've yeah, got, and, you've got and the actually, entire you've got the entire populace that doesn't care and doesn't want to yeah. dig into this and doesn't even want to believe some of this stuff. They know something's wrong, but they're too lazy to investigate. So they keep voting for these 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 charlatans, these pretenders, these weak willed you know anything but leaders. And
2: and but or you worse, know, they, they stay silent. They stay silent. They let it happen. They let it go on. They don't want to put their head up. They don't want to speak out. And and we've completely abandoned God. We've completely abandoned morality. We're redefining it by the day. Um, it's it's criminal to hand out uh, a Christmas card, but grown men should be in the in the locker room with little girls. Yeah. And if you say something against that, you're going to jail. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, well, we're not being sensitive to the person. Well, aren't you, how are you being sensitive to people who are going to be hurt by these policies? Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've aban- we really are playing out. Like, I can see, this is one of the re- things that just makes the Bible come so alive when you read the warning signs.
1: Well, Romans and you won. see
2: how those cultures, especially Israel, had it so good, and they just kept abandoning it. And they just kept going further and further until God finally said, that's it.
0: Ro- Ro- Romans, Ro- Romans, Romans, 1, Romans 1 is a recurring theme on this program, Mike. Romans 1, 18-32. I mention it just about every Sunday night now. And I, w- I would hope that people that are listening would have that scripture memorized. Romans 1, 18-32. It, d- it describes our world perfectly, of where we're at right now. And it's not... And the end is not a good so thing.
2: Notice Isaiah and, and Jeremiah as well. They're two very accessible... Um, of the prophets that warned of Babylon, mm-hmm. and and there too they they lay out exactly the way the culture was behaving, not just the leaders but the people themselves. And no matter how many warnings they were given, they
0: just wouldn't I mean, turn back. You know, Handmaid's Tale, okay, is 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 popular. It's a TV series right now, okay. And uh, Margaret Atwood, I mean, Handwood's, *Handmaid's Tale* is basically Margaret Atwood's uh, attempt to, you know, spew hatred for uh, against, you know, particularly Bible-believing Christianity. Okay, and uh, uh, if you look at Romans one eighteen to thirty-two, it does not end well at all. And if we keep going the way we're going in our abandonment of moral absolutes. Handmaid's Tale is going to look like the Jetsons when we come around to what we're uh, what we're going to reap from what we've sown. Okay, if you think our culture is oppressive now, you,
2: <laughs> I mean, you know it's, it's interesting. I was I was re-listening to my lessons on the uh, Tower of Babel again. To, uh, just in the last few days, and then Bible study today was dealing with it. And so it's funny how that was just in my head, and the, when I tuned in, you were talking something about tyrants and. It's interesting because the Nimrod model. Nimrod was the the one who started and basically controlled Babel. He was the leader. He was, he the, was the central
0: figure in the in the in in, in uh, getting the Tower of Babel built.
2: Yes, and that's basically your first secular tyranny post flood, post Noah and the flood. And God took it and knocked it down and scattered the language and, and scattered them, but. That Nimrodian um, philosophy of bricks and stones, you see that in all tyrannies, they take away individualism, they strip away individuality. They want everybody to be identical, just like bricks, even though God made us all unique and individual. Um, you see those kinds of things. And, and when you talk when it talks about the mortar, so bricks and mortar. The mortar is actually, they, the word is often materialism, but when they explain the materialism, they're not talking what we think of by materialism. He's talking about basically soulless bodies. You're, when we talk, sometimes we use the term flesh or in the world or worldly, right? That's, what is, that's what's being used. So anytime you see these tyrannies, and as you're reading through the scriptures, the different societies, even David. Even David, when he was getting tyrannical, brick-making comes into it, stone-cutting, they use the same terms. And any time you see those, that's a warning sign of Nimrod at work, that the philosophy. And all tyrants want themselves, they need everybody else to be lower than them. They have to elevate themselves. That's why every tyranny, every they have big posters and big statues, and you have to pretty much honor them wherever you go. and There's... They have to set themselves on a godlike level above everybody else. Do
0: you know that? And uh, and you you look at
2: how why they go after God and why they go after Jews and Christians because they can't have a rival; they need to be on
0: top. Have you ever uh, looked at uh, done research on the European Union? A lot of their imagery and a lot of their logos and a lot of their propaganda uses the imagery of the Tower of Babel.
2: Yeah, well, the building was designed based on that. Painting
0: yeah, the Tower of Babel is very, the Tower of Babel is very, very prominent in you know the the philosophy that is behind uh, the the European Union. The European Union is is, uh, I mean, if there ever is a, a philosophy and organization in, in the world that promotes the the idea that man is God and we are not accountable to anybody except ourselves, it's uh, it's the sure, they're the epitome uh, of it. Yeah, I know. And, they're and like they're like the UN on steroids.
2: I encourage people to look it up. You can find the the pictures online of the promotional material of the building. So you see the original painting, then their version of the painting, and then the actual building itself. But on the promotional material, all the people are brick-like. What is that? They Mm -hmm. just happen to make them look like Lego people?
0: All we are is just another brick
2: in the wall. Yeah, and and, uh, also it says many... Many languages, one tongue or one voice, something like that. So it totally is playing on the Tower yep. of Babel. It's, yep. Inten- yep. It's, it's deliberate.
0: And the Tower of Babel was basically man giving God the finger.
2: That's what it yes, was. Yes, it
0: is. And like I said,
2: the founding fathers of the progressive movement, the Fabian society, they all follow Hegel. Of course, the, the ideology has been around as long as the devil's been around. But it mm-hmm. always plays the same pattern. The patterns are there. Um, so they, they reject God on its face. They will reorder society according to them. They will turn the people into bricks. They'll make them the way they want them, not the way God made them. And they will make themselves higher above everybody else, and they'll accept no rivals. So any rival has to go, and that includes God or worshipers of God. They will destroy those people in order to protect their tyranny.
0: Thanks for your call, Mike. Thanks. Oh, it's good to have you on. Have you- no, I was going to. I was gonna quit the show so much earlier and he just he just kept it going, didn't he? Did you like that? I'm in the mood for a parody. I've got a tune in the hamper here. And uh it's kind of outrageous. Do you remember the band The Tubes? Feeway Bill and the Tubes. I'm gonna play a tune by the Tubes. And it's 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 outrageous. It's called TV is King. And to a great degree, this is, and it's from the 70s, and it makes a lot of references to the 70s of what was popular back then in the culture. But I would suggest that it's a pretty accurate depiction of what is a recurring theme on Sunday nights on, on, on Late Night Council, and that's Romans 1, and I'm telling you, I think I'm going to make it a prerequisite that you don't get your email read, you don't get your tweet read, you don't even get on the line until I know you have read and you understand Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. Tell me this isn't our culture today. This is TV is King by the Tubes. Okay, substitute the word TV for iPhone, and boy, that pretty describes our culture. It pretty much describes our culture, doesn't it? Sure it does. Can't turn off my iPhone. Can't live without my iPhone. Live in a culture that's dominated by information. Romans one eighteen to 32. Got an email from Mary here. Please stay on until 11. <laughs> You're sweet, Mary. <laughs> And then she asked the question, where does a guy like Solomon go after life? I made the comment, you know, because Solomon is is described in the Bible as, you know, the wisest man that ever lived when he lived. And uh, there were a lot of, you know, uh, God says to David about, you know, his descendants who are going to be on the throne. You know, if they keep close to me, you know, you'll never cease to have one of your descendants on the throne. And he gets specific, you know, if they don't turn away, if they don't follow wickedness. And that's exactly what Solomon did. His many wives turned him away from God to the point where he was, he was worshiping pagan gods. He was committing idolatry in direct violation to what he knew was right. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it reveals his spiritual condition. This guy knows what the right is and even taught, teach, teaches about it, but he's not living it at all. So Mary asks, Where does a guy like that go to? If I'm interpreting the Bible correctly, he goes to hell. You go you go to one or two places after death, according to the Bible. And I know there's religious traditions that say otherwise, but they are based on very, very, very weak scripture. Psalm 81.15, those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to him, and their time of punishment would be forever. This is Jesus' words in Matthew 7.13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I don't know, I read that, and it tells me that Jesus is saying the majority of people are going to end up in hell. Oh, John, that's just your spin. Okay, fine, call in and tell me what your spin is on it. I don't make the rules, okay? I'm just reading the Bible here, and and in my opinion, it's more authoritative than anybody or any other ism. Just because something offends you doesn't, just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean that that's the way it is. As if puny man, you know, who who has no control over his life or his death, you know, as if as if he has a say on what is right and what isn't. 343-700-4390 If you want to squeeze in a call. You better be quick because I'm gonna I'm gonna end it pretty soon now. Okay, we're probably gonna be done before eleven. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. More scriptures here. Hebrews nine twenty seven. Just as a man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Why is he gonna face judgment? Because he's gonna go in one or two places. They're gonna, it determines at the point of death. You go to heaven, you go to hell. What about purgatory? Where is that in the Bible? The word is not anywhere in the Bible. And the scripture that's loosely based on is the scripture of Corinthians, where it says our works will be refined. The wood, hay, and the stubble will be burned up, and what is gold and what is a precious metals will be refined to be even more precious. It doesn't say that, you know, there's a place where people go to where they're refined. It says our works are refined. That's a real stretch, boy, to get purgatory out of what's in the Bible. It's just not there. Revelation 14 and 11, And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image, and for anyone who receives the mark of his name. It's describing the lake of fire, Gehenna. And the Bible says that Hades was emptied into Gehenna. All of the souls of Hades emptied into Gehenna. Hades is the is the, the present hell. When somebody dies who is, is, doesn't have a relationship with Christ, because, hey, look at it, it was Jesus who, who said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He says in John three, he says, unless you're born again, you could never see the kingdom of God, ever. He's the guy that said this here. You gotta take seriously somebody who dies, rises from the dead, and then doesn't die again. Okay? That changes everything. When you pull off a stunt like that, you're not just a, you know, a religious leader or somebody that's spewing a lot of, you know, intelligent ethics. You know, all that really makes sense. No, 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 no. Way more powerful, way more authoritative. When you pull off that stunt, Revelation twenty fifteen. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. How do you get your name written in the book of life? When the Gospels it says Jesus says, unless you're born again, you're never going to see the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? Does that mean I got to adopt all the culture and all the vocabulary? Have you evangelical Christians? No. I keep pointing people to the Bible. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. If you ask him to forgive you of your sins and, 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 and to cleanse you from unrighteousness, he's faithful. Acts 2.21 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no magic prayer. There's no special prayer. It's a calling out to God and believing that he can hear you. I've heard so many wonderful stories. I've heard so many wonderful stories of people that didn't know how to pray. They didn't know what it meant, but they called out to God. Sometimes it would, be, it would be worded like this, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but if you're real, will you please come into my life? Will you change? I will I will do anything you want me to do, but just let me know you're there and and, and, and let me have you in my life. He answers prayers like that. He does. And you can pray that right now. Or you take this, you know, the, the, this, uh, uh, the, the podcast and say, hey, you need to listen to this, particularly, you know, to maybe a friend of yours, the last few minutes of this. Now, I haven't talked about it that much, but uh, I got to tell you what I've been up to. One of the main reasons I'm only doing Sunday night now is because I've given all my time and my energy and my excitement and my passion to starting a new church, okay? myself and about, oh, about 75 people now, because it's crazy, it's growing, okay? We've started Christchurch. The legal name is Christchurch Ottawa. A website will be coming probably in the next uh, two or three weeks where you'll be able to see where we are, what we're doing our activities, and who's involved. Christchurch Ottawa meets at the Jules Moran Fieldhouse in Jules Moran Park in Lower Town. If you need an address, it's 400 Clarence Street East, Sunday morning services are 10.30, okay? If you type in Christ Church Ottawa on Facebook, you're going to see some info there as well, okay? There's some postings, of some info, and we haven't been promoting. We haven't gone into a promo blitz or anything like that because, uh, you know, we've been forming this congregation and we're getting our act together because when we do start promoting and we do start telling people about it, we want to make sure when people come, you know, it's, it's, it's something worth coming to. Now, I can tell you right now it's worth coming to. It's a little crowded because our facility, you know, as soon as we moved in, we were packed and we're still packed. But we're of the belief that it's better to be in a facility that's packed than to be in a facility that's, you know, really large and it's like half full. So there's a real buzz there. So re- like if you if you like going to a, like a, a club where it's packed and it's just standing room only, well, that, that's kind of like what our church is like. And it's, uh, if, if anybody knows, you know, the, the way I've got, uh, the pastored churches in, in the years I've been here in Ottawa, I, I never go by the book. The only book we go by is the Bible. And if you like churchy, formal stuff, you, you're not going to like what we do. We, we have fun in church, you know. But central to the whole experience is, is the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. And it's not mamby-pamby, candy-coated, self-help stuff, okay? It, it's powerful it heals relationships it heals bodies it transforms it it changes people from being you know uh, aimless and and wandering about and, and and with no purpose into you know dynamic followers of Jesus that you know are are turning their their neighborhoods inside and out for good and people notice because there's a supernatural change that has taken place that's what we traffic in and if you want more info, you can email me at jc jclatenightcouncil.com. I can, you know, direct you. But until next week, until, oh, I guess 9 o'clock, which will be May the 21st, have yourself a decent evening, and thanks for tuning in.